News Talk, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. Hour two of your Tuesday edition of Justice and Drew is underway. Paul Gazelka joining us in uh, just over 30 minutes. In the 8 o'clock hour, we will talk with uh, Mark Lauder. And if you haven't downloaded the uh, the free and easy-to-use iHeartRadio app, That's right. what are you waiting for? You need to do that. Do it today. You can get caught up on the show via podcast. Grab your phone right now. That's right. And do it. That's right. You can take the show with you wherever you go. If you leave the area, go on vacation, anything like that. Escape the uh, the January weather we're getting in April. Yep. You can listen to music on there. There's a there's a the uh, a perfect circle. One of my favorite bands yep. released a new song that I cannot stop listening to. <laughs> so good. And what's cool is uh, you've got iHeart functionality now on all your 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 smart speaker systems like Alexa and 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 Google. So if you've got one of those home things, just say like Alexa, play Twin Cities News Talk on iHeart Radio. And for everybody listening right now with an Alexa, <laughs> right. I apologize. Wow. So if you say like, Hey Alexa, play Justice and Drew. No, you have to. I think you have to say play Just, Twin Cities. Twin Cities News Talk on iHeartRadio. On iHeartRadio. Okay. Yeah. So hey Alexa, play Twin Cities News Talk on iHeartRadio. It'll it'll. Yeah, it just started playing in a it bunch just, of people's houses. That's amazing. That makes me really. That makes me really. That makes me really happy. <laughs> that makes that pleases. That's me. fantastic. <laughs> What's, a, what's like a really ridiculous thing we can ex- ask Alexa to do? Well, we've been doing this role before. We did it to... Uh, oh, I know, I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's terrible. <laughs> I get angry texts every time. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> hey, Google. Uh, out of the Associated Press, uh, Harry Anderson, the uh, actor best known as the off-the-wall judge working the night shift of a Manhattan court in the uh, television comedy series Night Court. Was it was kind of, a great show. Fantastic really show. Really underrated show. Found dead in his North Carolina home um, uh, yesterday. Was only um, 65 years old. Uh, officers responded to a call from his home on Monday. Found him dead in a statement. Uh, foul play was not suspected. Uh, he played uh, Judge Harry T. Stone, a young jurist who uh, professed his love for singer Mel Torme, actress Jean Harlow, magic tricks, and his collection of Art Deco ties. Yeah, he was a he was a really unique guy, really unique performer. Uh, you know, did that. I loved his act when I was when I was younger. I loved his stand up routine. You know, the the comedy magic comedy. He was fantastic. Um, I was a big, big Harry Anderson fan. Loved his little guest spots on Cheers as Harry the Hat, the con man who would come into Cheers every once in a while. Yep. I really enjoyed those. Uh, yeah, I was a big fan of his, and he's been out of the uh, out of the public eye for a very long time. Um, and I was really sad to see that news yesterday. Have you seen? Have you done any further reading on this? Was this uh, last natural, causes, was natural causes? The natural causes, not but sixty five self inflicted. Yeah, that's that's young that's, for pretty, that's pretty causes. that's pretty young. Yeah. So. I'm I'm sure we'll learn more, but uh, condolences to his family. That was really uh, that was sad news. Um, also, out of the Associated Press, uh, this was one of those stories that I found out on Twitter first because Hannity was trending, and I was like, "Why is Hannity trending?" Oh, because the legal fight over what should happen to the to records that the FBI seized from Trump's personal attorney took a surprise twist Monday. Did it though? I, I'm sorry. I so Michael Cohen. Forced to reveal in court that he also had secretly done legal work for Fox News host Sean Hannity. So the, disclo- okay. the disclosure came as Cohen's attorneys tried to persuade a federal judge in New York to delay the prosecutors from examining records and electronic devices seized in the raids on the grounds that many of them are protected by the attorney client privilege. 
Um, the judge, the district judge, Kimba Wood, uh, said in hearings Friday and again on Monday that if Cohen uh, wanted the court to declare that some of the files were protected because of attorney uh, confidentiality rules, he would have to divulge the name of his clients. So in a court filing Monday, Cohen's attorney said three people received legal help from Cohen in 2017 and 2018 after President Donald Trump uh, became well, after Trump became president. So Sean Hannity was one of those individuals. So Hannity took to Twitter and said that Michael Cohen has never represented me in any manner. I never retained him, received an invoice, or paid legal fees. I have occasionally had brief discussions with him about legal questions about which I wanted his input and perspective. I assumed that those conversations were confidential. This is over two tweets. But to be absolutely clear, they never involved any matter between me and the third party. But everybody was, I mean, Twitter was frothing at the mouth yesterday going, Oh, yeah, we got, him. we got him. Guilty by association. We got him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was confused by the, uh, by the reaction to this as well. If you want to take something like this and use it to sort of make the, make the argument that Hannity's commentary regarding Trump and this matter with Cohen is skewed and biased, cool. Uh, Hannity's always been skewed and biased. Right. He's not a news guy. He's not a journalist. No. He's a commentator. He's a talk radio host. Yes. He's always presenting <laughs> things from his his biases, his perspective. You know, it, it, okay. You got him? Yeah, I don't. I guess. I don't get all the guilty by association here. Co- First off, Cohen... Hasn't been convicted of anything yet. Okay. That's not to say he didn't do anything wrong. It is to say that he hasn't been convicted of anything yet. And even if he turns out that he was, it doesn't mean that that thing is... Let me back up. Hold on. I'm making this way too complicated. So you mean to tell me that a high-profile lawyer had other high-profile clients? Well, I don't even know if Hannity was a client, per se. But even if he he was... If you're going to take Hannity's statement at face value, it's, you know, he had a relationship with Cohen, and he would call him and ask him some questions in legal matters looking for his perspective. That could be as simple as, hey, I'm going to cover this thing on my radio show or on my TV show. You know, I've got a few questions that I could use your expertise on. We've done that. Sure. You know, we've, absolutely. We've done that a number of times. It doesn't mean we've retained them as clients or they've retained us as clients or we've retained them as our attorney, but we have reached out to experts, people with legal expertise, when we've had questions about things that we're going to cover to get information. If, and, to get, and to get that legal perspective. We, we, we do it all the time. I imagine tons of hosts do the same thing. It feels like what we're dealing with here, and I could be wrong. It feels like what we're de- we're dealing with here is a bit of semantics. So you had this judge say you have to expose certain individuals, right? If you're trying to use the attorney-client privilege, and I think like most, and again speaking from personal experience, having. Um, similar circumstances, I imagine that if there is a lawyer who's under investigation and they have somebody who is high profile that perhaps they keep a record of, then you're just going to want to get that name out so it doesn't look like you're hiding anything. In which case he went, well, I've consulted with Sean Hannity before. He's a part of that. But you go to, there's an article. This is where it gets, this is where it gets, where this whole thing gets, gets nutty. CNN, Brian Stetler. Sean Hannity has a few rules, and now Fox News has a problem. He's an opinion guy. He's not a journalist. 
Right. Anybody that, you know, uh, that takes Sean Hannity seriously as a journalist is doing it wrong. He's an opinion guy. He's always been an opinion guy. He is a very biased commentator, and he will be the first to tell you that. He goes on to say, he says his off-air relationships might just be a logical extension of Hannity's on-air cheerleading for Trump. It still came as a surprise, immediately raising questions about both Hannity and Fox. Did it? By any standards of a normal newsroom, the Cohen-Hannity relationship is a glaring conflict of interest. Fox is not a normal newsroom, and Hannity's viewers are not typical news viewers. People who watch almost any other show would feel lied to when they learned something like this had not been disclosed to them. But Hannity's, but Hannity wants him to have this kind of relationship with Trump world. But again, here's this is not you're not looking at a at a Dan Rather right. or a Brian Williams or you know people that are out there reporting news. He is a political comment. He's a pundit. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a talk radio host and the host of a, of a of a TV show that is his perspective and his opinion. Does he you know try to present facts to base his opinion on? Sure. Can you look at this and then question his coverage of this particular matter? Uh, regarding Trump's lawyer, sure, if you want to, but uh, we've always taken Sean Hannity at face value in the sense that he is a very biased individual, and he's he's out there providing his opinion and giving his commentary. Are we just not aware of a group of people out there that didn't know that Hannity was biased, and suddenly know. now they're? I don't know because I've never heard anybody push back right. against that. Right. And does anybody does anybody give the same sort of scrutiny to like George Stephanopoulos? <laughs> Who's out there on broadcast TV, you know, being presented as a real journalist (laughs) and interviewing Michael Cohen when he worked for the Clinton White House. Right. I mean, he was a, he was, he was a, uh, worked for, he was a communications director for the presidential campaign, became White House communications director, worked for the Democratic Party as an advisor, and now he's on TV pretending to be a journalist. Nobody gives him that kind of scrutiny. (laughs) This, 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 uh, this Brian Stetler CNN piece, this makes me laugh. Monday's disclosure, Drew, demonstrates just how tight-knit the pro-Trump media world is. Not only does Hannity advise Trump, not only does Trump promote Hannity's show, not only does Hannity attack Trump's critics, Hannity and Trump even share the same lawyer. What planet have you been on? And, <laughs> I don't, I don't, and I don't get the sense that Cohen. Maybe he is, and maybe we'll find out more. But but from what we know right now, it doesn't sound like Cohen was Hannity's private personal attorney. Right. It sounds like Cohen is somebody that Hannity went to from time to time to get some perspective and to get an opinion, to get some advice. Now I don't know if Brian Stetler worked for CNN during the time of the election prior to President Donald Trump getting the the nomination, but. If you want to go back in time for a moment and talk about tight-knit pro-Trump media, let's go back to CNN during the primary process. (laughs) Just for a moment. They loved him. Let's count the hours of coverage and the hundreds of interviews done with Trump. Not only did CNN advise Trump, not only did Trump promote CNN, not only did CNN attack Trump critics. I mean, that all happened back then. Right. Because they they didn't think there was a chance in hell that he would win, (laughs) so didn't none of it mattered. Goodness gracious, we're all going through an exercise of what it's like for a lot of people who think they're right all the time to suddenly be proven wrong about something. 
This is a long. It's going to be four years of having to deal with a huge group a portion of the population that can't get over the fact that they were wrong about something. It's unbelievable. Hannity himself says he's not a journalist. <laughs> he's never presented himself as a journalist. I, 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 I am not surprised that people do that. This, ha- this happens to us often. Often, I mean, this. I mean, at least a couple times a month, some yeah. idiot will go and try to make a run at us talking about you guys are supposed to be journalists. No, it's not. like you're saying that, not me, man. <laughs> you're Nowhere act- has that ever been claimed? <laughs> Goodness gracious, no! You're taking what I say seriously? That's a hundred percent on you. <laughs> what are you thinking? Um, all right, real quick, out of uh, out of city pages. Is it? Uh, Representative Eric Paulson's campaign mostly fueled by out-of-state special interests. Are they going to do this piece on all? No. On everybody? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> because No, no, no. They're going to do pretty... it on Eric Paulson. They're going to do it on Jason Lewis. Right? That's about it. I, but They might do it on Tom Emmer, but since Tom Emmer is probably not going to have as tough a re-election battle as Paulson and Lewis, uh, but they, they really want those seats. They're really rooting for Dean Phillips. They're really rooting for Angie Craig. So, no, of course not. They're going to aim all of their journalistic guns, and I put air quotes around journalistic, at uh, Eric Paulson and Jason Lewis, but mo- more at Eric Paulson. Yeah, this is so ridiculous. I mean, I'm not going to waste everybody's time going through this, but it talks about this. Uh, Pete Kotz, uh, Kotz did a report. Um, and this was a, a a different report, right? Uh, demonstrating the the that donations by moneyed special interest to Eric Paulson, in their opinion, do influence his vote his votes. An unbiased evaluation of his voting record confirms that his votes reflect the minority interest of his donors and not those of the majority of constituents that he was elected to represent. This is all just based off of the. It's all perception, and it breaks down the the number of different PACs that have donated to his campaign. Um, the number of individuals versus the uh, the number of uh, of PACs that are funding his uh, his current election cycle. Which ones are in state? Which ones are out of state? And they ask the question. It needs to be asked: Who does the congressman really represent? But the problem is, this is completely biased because you're not going to see this for any of the DFL representatives. Of course not. And if you did, you would see probably. Similar numbers, if not worse, on the DFL side. Especially Keith Ellison. Right. They'll never do that piece about Keith Ellison. (laughs) Goodness gracious, can you imagine? (laughs) Let's go to uh, Colin, calling from Minneapolis. Good morning. Go ahead. Yeah, I just, uh, I'm I'm curious as to what the big hubbub is regarding this revelation about Hannity having the same lawyer. So are we. No one seems to talk about how the DNC and Hillary and Fusion GPS. John Podesta, Al Frank, and John Kerry all have the same lawyer who also works for George Soros PACs. And also the fact that the there's something to do with the judge in this case uh, presided at Soros' third wedding. But if anyone brings that up, <laughs> you're a weird conspiracy theorist. Right, right. Somehow the fact that Hannity went to this lawyer that, that Trump uses is late breaking and, and it's proof of collusion somehow i don't i just don't understand i'm 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 as confused as you colin because if the right and thanks for the call if the right does it you're not allowed if the right does it you're held in condemnation you can't have those associations you're guilty by association even though no one's been been convicted of being guilty of anything yet right. but on the left you totally get a free pass it's just a hypocrisy and it really all. just it really does seem like this entire investigation is just turning you know not turning into it like it has been all along you know just an attempt to 
to sow some discord, to discredit people, to make the right look bad, to make the Trump camp look bad, and now they're gonna they're gonna sweep Sean Hannity into it. Where's the crime? Right. Where's the crime that's being invested? Is it a crime for Sean Hannity to seek out legal advice from someone who happens to also be Trump's attorney? Is it a crime for him to not disclose that in his commentary on his radio show or on his TV? No, none of this is illegal. Yep. You can you can consider it unethical if you want. That's up to you. You can consider it uh that that it that it discredits Hannity, but if you're if you're falling into that camp, I doubt you afforded Hannity a whole lot of credibility beforehand. Right. I mean, there are a lot of people out there that suddenly are now disappointed that secretly liked Hannity all along and are shocked by this. Right. Yeah. Like, if I were Hannity, I'd be feeling pretty good about myself yeah, right now. A bunch of Hannity fans out there going, oh, man. Oh, geez, I didn't yeah. know. I, yeah. I, I, my my entire world is shaken just, by this oh, revelation. Oh, I just I had so much. I had so much respect for John Hannity before this. <laughs> 651-989-5855. Coming up out of the Pioneer Press, after a $40,000 parking permit study... A lot of money. Yeah, St. Paul is ready to make some modest changes. So it was money well spent. Uh, Oh, absolutely. Your AM eleven thirty. 103.5 103.5 FM. Got back just in time. Yes, you. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> uh, this comes out of Pioneer Press. So, two years ago, <laughs> this story makes me laugh. St. Paul parking engineer, Elizabeth Stifler. Elizabeth Stifler. What if she's a mom? <laughs> Had a grand ambition. Take the city's residential par- parking permit system okay. with its dozens of districts and multitude of rules and simplify it. Okay? All right. Okay. Am I going to rip the Band-Aid off, she said with a gung-ho pluck in a 2016 interview? That's a lot of pluck. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a yeah. big pluck. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, a, a lot of pluck to rip the Band-Aid off. It's a lot of plucking. <laughs> it's plucking amazing. I think we can go from 35 districts to to 10. Oh, that's a lot of pluck. What a pluck. Oh, my goodness. Oh, pluck. (laughs) It's possible we might go out to the community and they say, we don't need it. I don't like to be big government. Come in and do something without community input. Wow. I doubt the community was like, no, we like the 35 parking districts and the residential parking permit system. It's great. Right. In fact, let's let's add more. That's plucking crazy. <laughs> After a $47,000 study. That's a that's that's a, well in in government terms, that's probably a bargain. Yeah. Of 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 all the government studies that we've covered, that's just a little pluck. That's one of the that's one of the cheaper ones. That's a that's a minor yeah, that's, that's a minor pluck. That's not a lot of pluck. Not a not, not a yeah yeah. Uh, many rounds of community input. Stifler, who works for the city's public works department, now has her plan. Only government and- takes two years <laughs> and forty seven thousand dollars and many rounds of community input to deal with. A residential parking permit system of thirty of reducing it to from thirty five districts to ten. 
And uh, she's now admitting it's not nearly as far-reaching as she once envisioned. So two years later, $47,000 <laughs> later, the, 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 uh, the findings were, eh. It's more like a, more like a flick. Eh. <laughs> it's more like a... It's probably not worth the effort. Pink. I've lost all my pluck. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a lot of pluck there. I'm pluckless. I'm all plucked out. <laughs> I can't tell you how many residents have been there 38 years and remember putting changes in, Stifler said this week. So any changes at all after $47,000? He's like, well, there's some changes, you know. So the districts were created when groups of neighbors signed petitions for parking permit rules to cover their blocks. And the rules were the same as they are today. Three quarters of an area's residents are required to sign on, saying they want their own individual district. And typically, they get one. So after hearing from many of the districts, okay, Stifler concluded that some residents had unrealistic expectations as to what a permit system can actually solve. Areas that are just getting more dense, for example. So uh, St. Paul added uh, added a few and lost a few. So they started off with they had 35. She wanted to go to 10. They ended up with 27. <laughs> she needs more pluck. She clearly is not getting it. She clearly does not have enough pluck. Now, Stifler did make some changes. Of the 27 districts, the biggest mishmash centers around the University of St. Thomas, a full 10 of the city's districts are in neighborhoods surrounding the private school. Under the city's proposed plan, those 10 would consolidate to seven, covering the same geographic area. Yes, there will still be a few streets with some exceptions, several blocks close to campus, for example, where there's no parking at all without a permit. The biggest change citywide deals with how many and what type of of there's a there's a there's a kicker to this whole thing though okay so we're getting to a kicker right, we're getting to a pluck okay okay and what type of uh, those permits residents are allowed right currently some districts allow five some six permits per household okay one small district just south of Interstate 94 near Snelling even allows for unlimited permits per household whoa anarchy crazy yeah unlimited parking that's permits? A, that's nutty man it's random plucking going on right there willy-nilly the plan is to allow all households citywide no matter what district five permits each okay it has received some pushback in some areas. Here's the kicker. As far as enforcement, which is done by police, not public's work, not public works, Stifler said uh, she believes in many cases eh, there doesn't have to be a lot of enforcement. A lot of people will honor the system, and there's enough relief that most residents won't notice. <laughs> so you spent $40,000 to make changes to a process that you admit doesn't get hardly any enforcement yeah. anyways by law enforcement. It's kind of an honor system anyway. <laughs> Oh my god! Love it. I love it's government. So stupid. Government's the best. They're so good at everything. It's so stupid. It's an honor system. <laughs> it's, 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 most, at the end most, of the day, most residents won't even notice the changes. No, because they're not probably paying attention yeah. to them now. Forty-seven thousand dollars, very well spent, St. Paul. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what plucking ridiculous. What a plucking great job. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know if the two are related. Okay, I, 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 don't, I don't believe they are. However, I did find this rather amusing that also today, this is out of the Star Tribune, um, a day after the record-breaking streak-locking weekend storm, okay, St. Paul residents had an advantage over Minneapolis. When all was said and done, Minneapolis towed 570 cars. St. Paul? Zero.
<laughs> now there was a very particular, there was a very specific reason for this. Parking scoff laws in St. Paul lucked out during the snow emergency because the city's contract with the lots that accept violators it actually expired on Friday. <laughs> so, so it was an unusual circumstance to have a blizzard in April and they could not extend the contract. So normally they'd have a contract with all of those lots. Yeah. And when people didn't go and pull their cars during a snow emergency, they could come and pull them all away. But the contract expired. No one got their cars towed. <sighs> Another system. No place to take them. That's right. Exactly. Good for the residents. You guys lucked out. You did. Boy, they're they're parking lucky. <laughs> Over there at St. Paul. Yeah, unlimited permits and <laughs> honor system for parking permits. Seriously. And, and, and 27 districts instead of 35, and now no place to tow cars. It's, it's great. It's a great time to have a car in St. Paul. 570 cars, though, in Minneapolis towed, man. Yeah. That's a that's a bummer. That, ah, man. That I, that, that I would be so angry. Right? Right? <laughs> You're already dealing with massive snowfall in the middle of April, and you get your car towed. The uh, the roads leading to the impound lot 51, Colfax Avenue North in Minneapolis, were busy with tow trucks dragging wrongly parked cars at noon. A dozen people moved slowly in the line towards the four counters inside the office. While the process was smooth, smooth many were caught short when asked to pay for fines. The city is making money in tragic times, one car owner said, yeah. griping at the $138 fee to get their vehicle released from the lot. That- Oh, I'm so glad I don't live in Minneapolis. <laughs> well, it's like when you when you have so many, you you hear those cries for for you know the low income individuals yeah. and the money that yeah. gets spent who's and who's impact? fighting for them. Right. No, right. these people drive cars, so you know they should get paid double. Yeah, yeah, it really is. They just want to they want to get them out of their cars. Oh, so it's, sad. Uh, this stuff is 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 infuriating. Yeah, oddly, a story that actually isn't as a is a reason to move to St. Paul. You don't get this very often. <laughs> All right, joining us now, Senate Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka checks in for his weekly uh, Tuesday visit. Justice in. AM eleven thirty, FM. Justice and Drew, along with Sam, use the hashtag. TCNT on uh, Twitter. Peruse it, too. People say crazy stuff. <laughs> That's it's, accurate. It's, 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 like, when you're like, it's like and, and, I, and I won't say who, but well, like, certain people, when I see their tweets, I just kind of go, are they aware that they're insane? Like, what is that like? Like, do they look in the mirror and just go, man, I'm crazy. I'm so crazy. Is that is there a self awareness there? Or are they just completely ob- ob- oblivious yeah, to just how yeah. really? Yeah, they're kind right. of oblivious. Like I was that crazy. Like I'd want to know. Like I want to be like, yeah, I know. I'm yeah, nuts. my favorite people on Twitter are the ones that just hop on Twitter and just yell at people all day. It's crazy. I just, <laughs> Those I just, are my favorite. It takes so much energy. Like you need a different hobby. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm not. Again, I'm not convinced they're not bots of the Russian type. I just, you know, I'm just, just saying, just saying. Joining us now, as he does every Tuesday, Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. Good morning, sir. You guys are having way, way too much fun. That's what we do, man. That's our job. That's, that's the only way that I can keep myself sane. 
So we are winding down in uh, in the legislative session. We are we're getting uh, getting closer and closer to the end. Things are going to start ramping up. Uh, give us a couple of headlines of the big things that you guys in the uh, in the Senate, the Senate Republicans, are working on as we uh, as we get closer to the end of session. Yeah. So actually, just less than five weeks, which I'm actually pumped about. Uh, the sooner I leave this place and go back to my other life, the better. But. Uh, <laughs> You know, we've talked about the tax bill a lot, but two issues that we haven't talked a lot about is, one is uh, we want to provide some resources and focus on mental health, uh, both towards schools and, and uh, facilities that can house some of the people that are kind of fall through the cracks. Uh, for example, uh, I talked to county sheriffs, and they will transfer a mental health person, and they want to get them into a a professional facility, and there are zero beds. So they end up mm. staying in the jails, which is like, you know, that's not where they should be. So that that's one area that we're working on. And then the other area that we're focusing on is related to how do we drive down the cost of health care, not health insurance, but health care. And so we just rolled out a, a press conference uh, last week that dealt with uh, uh, price transparency. How do we uh, help people get more engaged in the cost of their care so clinics are going to have to post their top 25 uh, procedures, and if somebody wants information, they got to get it out to within 10 days. And the reason we're doing that is as people have higher deductible plans, they're going to want to know if there's an MRI someplace that they pay 80 to $800 for and another place is 3000 they're going to want to go to the $800 one. Mm. When we talk about the the school based mental health programs, what what uh, what falls under that that category? Because I think I think sometimes I think sometimes we had sort of a one idea of what mental health is 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 being you know sort of looked at, but what is actually contributed to that when it comes to schools? So for the the school based mental health, one of the main areas that we've been focusing on is is allowing uh, local school districts to increase their safe and secure school levy, and then decided how we're going to backfill that so that there's not a property tax increase to do it. Uh, and so if we do that, uh, they, can use, they can use it for mental health, they can use it for police officers, they can use mm, it for harming okay. their targets, but it gives them the flexibility for counselors that kind of thing related to local schools. Yeah, and I know this is, we, we keep repeating this point, but I think it's it's worth repeating. And that's really important because every school is different and every school is challenged in different, in different ways when you look at safety and on different levels. And you're right, for some schools, it may be, you know, extra money for an, uh, for, for an SRO. For other schools, it may be expertise in being able to go and counsel students. So I'm, I'm glad that the schools are getting the flexibility that they potentially could need. Yeah, you know, that one seems uh, easier to solve. The the one I first mentioned about how do we create some facilities where people can go that, you know, when they're in jails and they shouldn't be in jails, uh, it's just, to me, there's no excuse that on a regular basis there's no beds for these people. Yeah. I mean, you can't just leave them in the jails. Yeah. In fact, that's unconstitutional after 48 hours. And so how do we, that that one is the bigger one, that but we've decided we're going to start moving towards solving it rather than just wringing our hands and doing nothing. How is the uh, how is the tax conversations coming? I know Dayton has put out his proposal. Have you had a chance to review it? Is there anything of merit in there that you think you might adopt? Uh, and, and how are the uh, how are the various proposals moving uh, through the Senate? Well, he, he has talked about uh, 
Section 179, which is for all size businesses in the ag community, it's a benefit. You know, if we agreed on that, that's fine. I would be agreeable to that. But if you take away his tax increase, uh, basically extending the sick tax, which is over a billion dollars of money coming in, I think everybody gets a tax increase. And so, but in fairness, this one is, has been difficult to, to find ways through it. it because Minnesota is a high tax state and the way the federal law has changed, you know, Minnesota is, it typically is not a winning state with the new tax code. Uh, right. You know, we can't deduct uh, property and income tax above 10000 uh, Home equity line of credit uh, interest is not deductible under most situations. So so that's the struggle is how do we make sure that people don't get a Minnesota tax increase while they're getting a federal tax decrease? And now, people are, I've heard a lot of criticism of the tax bill in that respect, that it is, you know, it does have the potential to, uh, to, to make taxes more, you know, burdensome for, for Minnesotans. But to me, I mean, that just sort of exposes what Minnesota has been doing for a long time. They're hiding their, their high, they're shielding their high tax status behind a lot of federal deductions. And when you do that, you know, always going to run the risk that the uh, federal government, that you know, Congress and the president could decide to re- to reform, revise the tax code, and now suddenly you find yourself exposed for being, you know, a, a higher tax state than a lot of residents believed. You know, I hate to say this, but that's spot on. You know, I mean, the the, the federal bill, ninety percent of Minnesotans are going to get a tax reduction. I mean, I think that is fantastic news. Uh, but how do we align Minnesotans in a way that we don't penalize Minnesotans? And it, it's by coming, becoming a lower tax state. And, and that's the right. hard part. And uh, to do that, we also have to be willing to reduce spending, which I think is very, very important as well. Um, but that's a conversation that I don't know if we're going to get to in the next five weeks. Uh, get me a Republican governor. And, yeah. and I think... You, you, the chances of doing that are much, much greater. Yeah, you're not going to have that conversation until we get a Republican governor. You're right. I know there's a lot of movement when it comes to pricing on uh, on health care and, uh, and, and drop, dropping those prices. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what's being proposed to drive down the cost of health care? Yeah, so the transparency bill that uh, Senator Scott Jensen and others are, are moving forward really is, is some of the first steps I've seen that actually work towards driving down the cost. So if you go into a clinic, you never shop for the price. You just give them your card and, you know, that's it. But the, the price difference between clinics based on the contracts that are negotiated by the health care plans can be dramatically different. And so this is the first step I've actually seen that really encourages the, the individual to be involved in shopping for health care. We shop for everything else. You think about it, we're always looking for the best deal you know, in appliances and anything else that we do, we shop. But healthcare, for some reason, the last couple of decades or longer, nobody does that. And so, this this is the first bill, and, and basically, it says that the hospitals and clinics have to post their top 25. Uh, we're going to use the average uh, cost that there is reimbursed by the plan, so they have to participate at some level. Uh, if people request the information, they can't stall out for 90 days. They got to get it to people within 10 days. So it's a step in getting the consumer involved in this process. And 
like anything else, that's part of the problem. Talking with uh, Paul Gazelka. Real quick before we let you go, Star Tribune's got an article. We're going to spend a little bit more time on this here in just a moment. Wanted to get your thoughts. Um, this is the headline. I don't know if you had a chance to read it yet. Battle over local control is about face for GOP legislators as progressive turn to as progressives turn to cities for action on divisive issues. GOP legislators have introduced more than fifty bills to block the local rules. Is that a fair and accurate uh, headline. I have my own thoughts on it because I'm kind of okay with what you guys are doing based off of the ridiculousness of local leadership, but I'm curious to get your your thoughts on the Tribune's just sort of headline take on this. Yeah, we cannot have a, a patchwork of laws for businesses big and small to navigate. You know, if you, if you, uh, you have your products in multiple towns or cities, you can't have different wages, different uh, schedules for work, you know, different benefits that you have to provide it, it just doesn't work and so if they're talking about local control the ultimate local control would be for, between the individual and the business that sells them the product so you know if you're talking about that then then go all the way down to what's best for the individual and the and the consumer and the business that delivers them delivers them that product so you know we would like it more uniform across the state but as we know more and more communities are deciding how they want to do it and it just makes it very complex uh, for the individual that's out there. Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka, always a pleasure. Thanks for checking in on this uh, Tuesday, and we look forward to catching up with you next week. Yeah, one last thing. Check the uh, financial campaign reports come out today. I'll tell you, the Senate Republicans, first time ever, we have a million dollars cash on hand. So we're uh, we're, we're in business to, to compete. That's good news. That's nice. Very good news. Yeah. Awesome. Take, right, take care, guys. Take care. Have a good day. That dovetails uh, nicely into the conversation we were having with uh, with Amy Koch yesterday, just about the the, oppor- the the opportunities available during this election cycle but, right now. But John, well, I'm a- hashtag blue wave. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah sign. Have you did you see those blue wave signs? They're so <laughs> stupid. I just it's so. I but, just, but blue wave. Everybody's telling you. I know. I know. I know. No. No. It sounds like a disease. It says, "Oh, I got the blue wave." Oh, oh I'm so. I'm so sick now. I'm so glad for the GOP legislators lowering my health care costs because I'm inflicted with the blue wave. What happened to Uncle Tommy? Hey, he's uh, he's got wave. the blue. Got the blue wave. Blue wave got him. Washed right over him. S- swept him away. It's so salty. He's no longer to be seen anymore. The salty blue wave. Oh, this is, that's 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 awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't look. Look, neither side. Look, no, no side has exclusivity on stupid, you know, style over substance symbolism. Okay, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I just I saw some of those signs after the endorsement meetings over the weekend. Some of those blue wave signs. I'm like, it's just stupid blue wave. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. You know, I'm glad they're confident. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> the, we're, is it, so, so if, yeah, if it, you keep putting up your Angie Craig's and uh, and look at what's going on up in uh, up in CD eight uh, and and yeah, blue wave. Yeah. So what's good the, luck? What's the red? What's the red counter to the blue wave? Red tide. Red said is there red wind. I don't. I know. I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> we need to work on that. Maybe not hash it out live on the air, but there's something there. <laughs> we need to focus group this. There's there's, yeah. there's something there to counter the blue wave with a red.
like tornado or just, I don't know, something. Red tornado. <laughs> I think that was a superhero. <laughs> Red sharknado. Yeah, that's, that's right. Hey, uh, this this article, this uh, battle over local control, there's a couple of quick points out of here. It makes me laugh. Uh, Minnesota uh, Minnesota cities have regulated takeout containers restaurants can use, changed the way people vote and required businesses to pay workers a higher minimum wage and give them sick uh, and give them sick time. Republicans say lawmakers have responded with a flurry of bills to block the local rules, calling such mandates a burden on business owners. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They are. And that's why they're doing them. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm, I'm why kind of okay with it. Are are doing these rules. They because they want to put the burden on business owners because they can't they can't figure out how to create a thriving economy because they're so into micromanaging, they're so into, you know, controlling every aspect. So the only way they can figure out how to do it is to mandate businesses to do what they want them to do. Right. Not create a, a not create an economy, not create an environment where people are thriving and there's a competitive job market and workers have uh, have ve- have many options to choose from and businesses have to compete for workers because there's so many jobs and and and, and it's all and everybody's doing so well. They can't they can't figure out that getting government out of the way creates those sort of opportunities for people. So they just micromanage and they mandate it. And what we're ending up with is this bizarre patchwork of different labor laws from city to city to city. You've got businesses that operate in all these different cities that are having to now figure out, all right, well, you know, for our for our locations in Minneapolis, we've got these rules for our locations in St. Paul. We've got these rules for employees that happen to work some in St. Paul and some in Minneapolis. Uh, what are we going to do with them? So I understand why the business community is turning to the state and saying, can you guys give us something uniform? Right. Like the business community doesn't particularly, doesn't particularly care what it is. Like the out, whatever that outcome is, looks like is is of less concern than having it have some uniformity from city to city. And it's gotten so bad that the article goes on to say there's even preemptive state proposals to block ideas that have only been mentioned by city officials or candidates and not actually enacted. Look, and we've and we've talked about this before. Normally. It's very much about local control, but unfortunately in these circumstances, and it's best said by, um, this individual working with the League of Minnesota Cities. Okay. Cause there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a fundamental problem here. So the Minnesota, Le- the, the League of Minnesota Cities, excuse me, pushing for preservation of local decision making. Ann Finn, a lobbyist with the League, noted that 117 cities have signed a resolution that says that they should determine what health, safety, and welfare guy, uh, regulations best serve their constituents. Local elected officials are so accountable. They see their own constituents on a daily basis. Let them do good work. And if they don't do good work, there's an election around the corner. This is what makes me laugh, though, Drew. You ready? She describes cities as laboratories where good ideas can bubble up and be tested. Municipal leaders know what people in their communities want to see. That's not... You don't want to use your business sector as a laboratory. <laughs> Where well, we'll just test this out. We'll yeah. we'll in, we'll impose this on the business owner, right. and if it doesn't work, well, you know, we'll just throw the beakers away. You know what else is a laboratory? Businesses <laughs> right. that are innovating and trying new ideas, right. and they're learning from each other. Let them innovate. You're never government is never going to be able to be ahead of the innovation that the business right. community can put forward. They're never going to do that. 
there's a reason why, and it's probably a bad example, and, 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 but there's a reason why when you look at your, your Silicon Valley companies and your Googles, and everybody goes, oh, they just let them wear whatever they want, and they've got slides mm-hmm. from floor to floor, and it's kind of this really free-for-all. Well, you know what the reason why they do that is? Because that's where the creativity actually ends up happening. They don't micromanage them down to a point where there's a single individual that's, that's hyper-focusing them. No, they let that, that creativity, and they let it develop. And they don't, the, 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 the local government doesn't want the businesses to be able to figure this out on their own. They want to control them because you're right. They don't know how to create better economies. Bah! Bah. (laughs) 651-989-5855 or use the hashtag TCNT on Twitter. We've got listeners uh, making suggestions for our counter to Blue Wave. Oh, good. The hunt for Red November. I'm done with that. Red Planet. Uh, Red Wave Rising 2018 is apparently a very common phrase, so common I've never heard of it. <laughs> well, now, now we have. But you can't counter a blue wave with a red wave. You gotta, we got to be different. You, gotta have yeah, yeah, different. Yeah. Okay, you need gotta, a red tsunami. Yeah, I know. Yeah, tsunami. Yeah, tsunami. I'm down with that. Well, what, what stops a wave? I don't know. Let's figure it out <laughs> during right. the break. Let's do that. A wall? Also, a uh, red wall. <gasps> oh. There you go. <laughs> Trump's been tweeting. We'll get you up to speed on all that coming up next. Justice.